Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hey guys, coming to you from my kitchen where Max and Winnie may bark at any moment or Kelsey may laugh at them barking at any moment, but wanted to share something with you guys. Uh, We are trying out a fun new idea called the Better Together series. So for the next three weeks, we're gonna focus on a specific topic or theme of the week. This week's theme is Celeb Life Lessons, where you'll learn incredible career and life advice from some of Hollywood's biggest stars. So be sure to let us know what you think, because we're trying this out. We hope you love it. Share it with a friend who you think you could benefit and enjoy. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. Our quote of the day, faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. That is from St. Augustine. I don't know who St. Augustine is, but... Kind of fun, though, right? Kind of fun, kind of fun. Uh, Back here uh, in the East Coast studio, we've got uh, Princess Winnie otherwise known as Vincenza, on the table. Kevin changed out her bed for a little flatter kind of uh, level. Kelsey over there. Hawaii Five-O Kevin in the corner. Don't put baby in the corner. <laughs> no. Steven over in North Carolina. 
Well, let's get to our interview with Megan Good. She is a best-selling author, award-winning actress, director, entrepreneur, philanthropist, hailing from humble roots. Megan was constantly told by those around her that her aspirations were unrealistic, yet Megan never wavered. She's appeared and starred in numerous feature films and television shows like Eve's Bayou, Think Like a Man, Shazam, Anchorman 2, and Minority Report, as well as several music videos. Let's not forget Friday, by the way. Um, Despite her incredible success, her greatest Hollywood achievement may reside in Megan's continued devotion to her faith and principles. Her daily prayer rituals give her answers to life's questions, including how to find a husband. Together, With that husband, she wrote the New York Times bestseller, The Weight, a book on patience, trust, and faith in relationship. Uh, Megan also works very hard to mentor and coach younger women. She is living proof that you can maintain your ethics and beliefs and fulfill your dreams, even in the most challenging situations. There may be no more challenging time than today, and Megan's going to teach us how to heal, grow, and succeed. Megan, I'm so glad to have you here today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, We were just kind of uh, uh, trying to figure out a question just before the show, and we were chatting a little bit about Britney Spears' documentary. Have you seen it yet, Mm -hmm. by the way? I haven't seen it yet, but I've followed Britney for her entire career and love her. Yeah, we, um, we were chatting about it and how hard it is for a young person to be thrust into the spotlight and to have, I mean, she's, you know, one of maybe five of the biggest superstars that ever walked this planet. Um, But it is hard to be in the spotlight at such a young age. And then we're like, we're talking about it. We're like, wait, we'll, we'll talk to Megan. She actually um, (laughs) has been doing this since she was four. So I don't know if anybody here will have a better take than you have on what that's like and how you kind of, can keep yourself um, safe through all of it. Um, but, um, and and then, you know, do you encourage people who are like, hey, I want to get my, my kid into acting or do you know mm-hmm. of an agent? I get that question all the time and I'm always like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm scared. <laughs> but you might have a different perspective. I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, well, one of the things about my journey that I really appreciate is that, it's been a slow, steady climb and it's had seasons where it's gone up and seasons where it's gone down. And so as a child, I wasn't as big as like a Raven Simone or a Macaulay Culkin, but I was working and people knew me and would recognize me in the store and that kind of thing. But it was very um, balanced. You know, Mm -hmm. it was, it was enough that I could continue to move forward, but not too much that it was overwhelming, but I've spent my entire life pretty much never going somewhere and someone not being like, Hey, aren't you that kid? And then now, you know, as an adult, but, um, I think, you know, watching Britney Spears, you know, we're the same age. And so when she first came out, I loved her, was obsessed with her. And, um, and then watching kind of, you know, the, the season that she went through when, um, I think is she, is she officially, um, diagnosed with bipolar? I don't know. I don't know for sure either. So I don't want to uh, misspeak, yeah. but um, I do have friends that um, have bipolar that it didn't surface until they were like 26 years old. And oh wow, the person that I knew who they are the same people now, but it extremely um, shifted them in a way that they obviously hadn't anticipated. And it caused certain behaviors and certain things. And 
it was really heartbreaking the the scrutiny that they went through and they're not even being scrutinized by the entire world. Mm. And so watching um, her journey, I just, it really broke my heart to see, you know, how people treated her and how they just, you know, they didn't handle her with love and with care mm-hmm. and um, were not open to her situation or what she was dealing with you know, with, and I think that no matter what level you're at in your life or your career, that's always a challenging thing. I mean, you know, people, God forbid, commit suicide over things that people say on social media, you know, that live in like Minnesota and they're just, you know, going through being bullied in school. And that's like overwhelming in itself, obviously. So I think Brady Spears has done an incredible job, um, coming back from what she's experienced, managing herself, being a mother, doing all the things that she has continued to do. And I'm glad that um, even all of that didn't drive her away from doing something that clearly she loves doing. And um, yeah, I'm just a a big supporter of her, but definitely that's, it's so, it's so, so challenging um, and rough, you know, so. Yeah. I, you know, you said something that is interesting. I, I guess we should do, we should do an episode on on bipolar mm-hmm. I, I want to learn more I didn't realize that it can just surface at 26 yeah. and and I wonder if you know like is it like a pile-on of events because it feels like with Brittany and we'll, we'll get away from Brittany it was just we were mm-hmm. just talking about it before and then it ended up now trickling into your conversation but it felt like to me a pile up of events that just kept taking from her and taking from her and taking from her and taking from mm-hmm. her that maybe just kind of led to that but well with my friend that went through it it was one event um one life-shifting event that was kind of like you know the camel and and maybe there were things that happened before that I'm not aware of but um there was one event that she shared with me that's pretty big and that was kind of the beginning point of just like when things started you know, all this behavior we had, I I didn't, I hadn't even heard of bipolar at that point. I didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. So when she was doing things, I was like, wait, what's going on? And like, am I crazy? Am I misreading this? When you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Like, is this kind of, you know, and so, um, and then once her mother made me aware of it and, and, um, and then now I have. I think I have four friends that have been um, diagnosed bipolar. Um, So, you know, you know, when, when they're kind of going through a season in a moment, you, you know it, you feel it. And, and I'm sensitive to it. And then when they're, you know, in a great place, you know, it, you feel it, you know, and I'm sensitive to that as well, because it's hard when you've done things and you're in that moment 
that people now judge you for when you're in a great place. And it's, it's really unfortunate because they're not a hundred percent themselves when they're doing that, you know? Were people ever inappropriate with you in your journey asking you like really inappropriate things they shouldn't have been asking you at a young age? I'm curious if you have that same kind of experience. Um, yeah. I mean, I still have that experience, (laughs) Um, but I think, uh, yeah, you know, there's definitely situations that have been a little awkward, Um, but I think because I was doing it so young, I learned how to navigate those things and Mm -hmm. it's an unfortunate thing, but one of those things was just to act oblivious, you know, like if it was someone that was a lot older than me in a higher position of power, you know, flirting with me, you know, when I'm in the audition room or something crazy like that, I would just act oblivious that that's what was going on. Because the sad thing is before the Me Too movement really, you know, came full circle, if you called someone out on that, or if you reacted a certain way, then now people say you're difficult or they don't want to work with you or, or, you know, whatever it may be, or that never happened, or that wasn't my intention or whatever. And so, um, you know, my generation, it was just like, you just act like you didn't know that was going on unless it gets to a point where you just have to be like, okay, hold up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm 42 and I feel like I kind of did a lot of that too, where you're like, <laughs> and you just kind of laugh it off and you just scurry away and hope everything is like going to be okay. Cause otherwise you, yeah. you couldn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is it's a different day and age, um, in so many ways. And I think that we're making progress on a lot of fronts and, um, it's nice to not have to ever feel like that again, you know, in, yeah. in those type of scenarios. But I also think, you know, like we, we, we're in, in the extreme phase right now too, where, you know, it's like, we just had like a workplace meeting and, for the first week, I think everyone was scared to like, you know, it's like, you don't know what's going to offend somebody or what's going to be weird. And I think it's important to go to the far extreme in order to find balance. Um, But I think we're still in it, you know, a little bit. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content. And a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community? Or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment. And we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Facebook group and Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Yeah. Well, you're um, shooting a show right now. I don't know if you're able to say, so I don't want to, am I, are we okay to talk about it? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, we don't have an official name for it yet, okay. so we're still entitled, but um, I'm here in New York and I love New York and it's snowing and um, the girls that I'm working with are just it just makes me so happy because anytime I do a show, it's like, you know, it's, it's not a, a race. It's a marathon. You know, you're on it for months and months at a mm-hmm. time. If the show does great, you're talking about years at a time. So for me, I'm, I'm a big hippie and I've done 
you know, majority of just like stayed in the film space because I'm like, I don't want to know what my next job is or like where I'm going to be or what character I'm going to play or what country I'm going to be in. And so now that I'm older and I've been married for nine years and, you know, we're talking about starting a family and stuff, I want a little bit more stability. And Mm -hmm. so it's nice to be in a place that I could potentially be in for years with people I really, really love and enjoy spending time with. And like, you know, my, my co-star Grace lives like, you know, three floors below me. And like, she just comes over in the middle of the night for like sugar, you know, and it's, it's really great. And, um, the producers and Amazon, everybody is really great. That's so cool. Um, I'm sure, is this like the first kind of show that you're doing in COVID? I'm curious, like, or did you do something before? Yeah, I shot a movie for Lifetime called Death Save My Life. Oh yeah, that of comes course. Out this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I shot that during COVID. Um, and, you know, it was definitely crazy and an adjustment, but it was great and everyone was great and we felt super safe and it was nice to see human beings and actually know that not only is everybody being tested every day, but they literally had the entire crew up at one hotel. So nobody was like leaving the bubble. So, you know, if you wanted to hug someone, you were actually like in a pretty decent place to do it versus, you know, just the month prior where I just really didn't see anybody um, except for my family once we had all um, quarantined. And uh, this show, I was shooting this in March mm-hmm. when the pandemic started. Oh my God, so, that's crazy. Cause like, that's at the beginning. I mean, that's it when was the like, brave okay, ones went forward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like one second. It was like, okay, so the pandemic, okay, is this happening? Is this really happening? And we weren't sure. And then it was like pretty much after Tom Hanks got it and they shut down the NBA, everyone was like, this is real. And so oh um, I just got the yeah, chills. Yeah, took a plane straight home and had no idea I'd be home for a year. But um, as horrible as it has been, I tend to just look at the positive. And the positive is I got more time with God. I got time to pray and work on trauma and just work on myself and be intentional about my healing, my growth. I got a ton of amazing time with my husband, which hasn't happened the whole time we got married. I, we, I literally got engaged and was on the way to the airport and like almost missed the flight and got on the flight. And everyone was looking like the plane was like waiting an extra two minutes for a person. And I'm like, I got engaged. And everyone's like, <laughs> Yay! Um, but that's been our whole marriage is like yeah. on the run, on the run. You know, I'm seven months here, three months there. He's a month here, you know, two months there. So being able to spend time with him is, was like, heaven, you know? And yeah, even when he got on my nerves, I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. I think, um, you know, I want to talk to you about um, all of that. You know, that's what we do here every single day. Our goal is to know better and get better and do better in all areas of life. And um, we're constantly having conversations about our traumas and healing. So maybe we start there. I mean, was the time at home kind of the impetus for you to face some traumas that maybe you hadn't faced before? I think so. I think that um, when you're going, 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 and by the grace of God, I've been able to work consistently. It was nice to have a moment to just sit down and say, okay, you know, and even with, with marriage, you know, we made an executive decision to start doing marriage counseling And it wasn't because there was something wrong. It was like, let's be proactive. We have this time. We don't know when it's going to 
And but let's make sure this time is used in a way that is valuable to our future and valuable to what we want to accomplish in life. And so we did marriage counseling for like five months during COVID during COVID over Zoom, like with intention to just look under the hood and see, you know, what we might need to work on and what we can grow from. Um, And it was great because, you know, we both we both have trauma from growing up as children you know, my, my husband's um, father died when he was nine. Um, he was an alcoholic and he um, had two heart attacks and passed away. And, um, you know, just having conversations about, you know, me growing up in the business and, and some of the bullying I experienced, like growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood, being like one of one black family until I was like, dang near 13. And then when all the black kids started moving in, it was like, they were like, what's wrong with you? Why do you sound like that? And, you know, you're an Oreo and all that kind of stuff. And then being in the business and, you know, you experience as I was like in my early twenties is like when the media takeouts, the gossips, and then they used to post like really kind of mean things sometimes. And then you look at the commentary and there's a hundred nice things, but there's like four like really nasty things and you harp on it and you take it personally and you take it to your spirit and you kind of fight not to let it make you bitter or make you think that that's what everybody thinks. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and there's just, there's so many layers of it. It's like, you get better at that. But then like for me, then, you know, when Devon and I got married, it was very much, um, you know, Devon is in ministry. He preaches, he's a minister, but his day job is he's a film producer, you know? Um, But he motivational speaks, he writes books. And so, when Devon and I got together, the commentary was very much like Californication actress and Mary's Hollywood pastor. And I'm like, well, first of all, he's not a pastor. I've only been on like eight episodes of Californication mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. But but it was like that sensationalizing, you know, uh, that kind of dynamic. And then I dealt with just a lot of like attacks from some church people, which to me hit totally different because I'm like, but this is supposed to be my safe place. And like, we're supposed to be Christians and treat each other with love and respect. And it's okay to correct if you feel spirit led to correct, but correct in love, you know, it's about how you treat and handle people. Um, And that was really, really rough for me because I just, I felt like I was going out to the firing squad and Mm. I could never not be me. And it would be about like how I was dressed or like I had too much cleavage or something was too tight or if I was kissing my co-star in a movie because he's playing my husband, but I'm married in real life. And like, it just was like so much that I was like, wow, you know, why does it have to be like this? And I think it took me years to even go back into church, you know? And, and so, yeah, there's always something, but there's a lot of that stuff that's connected to other stuff that is triggering and just saying like, okay, let's sit down, let's, let's deal with this and let's talk about it. And, I, and I'm always like very vocal about it when I talk. Cause I think, you know, everything we go through is not for nothing. Mm-hmm. We go through it so that we can help someone else and say, you know, I've been there, I've walked in your shoes. I know what that feels like. And I'm not just saying it. No, I actually know. So I feel like it's, it's all a blessing at the end of the day, because it is for purpose and for, to use for something bigger than yourself and what you actually experienced, but it's still challenging, you know, and you still got to work through that stuff. So how did you work through those traumas? Like what was your plan? Did you, did you do like EMDR? Did you like, what was, what was. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. 
Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Your your healing plan and what Um, works. (laughs) feel it let it be okay to feel it you know um because every time I would feel it I would feel like it was like a feeling a feeling that would come over me and it would be overwhelming and it would kind of be like shocking that all of a sudden I'd bust out crying which when I didn't expect to you know and so I think um just feeling it and then saying like God how do you want me to feel about this how should I feel about this okay, I'm not there yet. Can you show me how to get there? What should I do? What are the steps that I should do daily? How do I take care of myself? How do I have peace? What do I need to step away from? Who do I need to step away from? Where do I not need to go? Um, And just like being very specific and intentional with God about what my process is and what I need, because obviously he knows what I need better than I could even fathom, you know? Um, And then also like when we were marriage counseling, you know, some of that stuff 100% bleeds into your marriage. So just having those conversations in those moments, like this is why I react this way, because this is triggering for me because of this thing that has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. But because it feels like this, when you do this, I respond this way because that's all of what it does. And so just being aware of that stuff and being able to talk to myself and be like, okay, Megan, take take a breath. This is because of this. And your husband always has the best intentions for you. His whole goal is to make sure that you are well and that you are protected and that you feel safe. So just bring it back in. He's not trying to do this. This is what he's trying to do. He doesn't always do it perfectly. It's not always the best way. But if at least I know Mm -hmm. where his heart is and I think about that first, everything else can lead from there. I think that's so important to know what your triggers are and to be able to explain them to your partner so that they know it's not them. Like Kevin knows, my husband's here, by the way, he knows that I'm always going to be like triggered and terrified that I'm going to be poor again. (laughs) And so I am a non-spender like as much as I can. Like I, he's pushed me out of my boundaries and like, you know, Maria, you need to like buy yourself something. You need to do this. But there are certain things that just, we grew up and we had, you know, at one point we, my parents, you know, lost their, their jobs and my mm. uncle was leaving groceries at the stairs. We didn't have money. And, um, and that's a scary thing. And yeah. so I have that, like that trauma that just is so scary. So anytime I see him spending, I'm like, <gasps> And then it took a while for him to realize, okay, it's just her OCD about money and her traumas about money. It's not about me to, right, honey? Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Okay. I think that's really, no, I think it's <laughs> yeah. important. I never heard you verbalize it like that, but you're yeah. right. Like, I think it, what both of you guys are saying is like, if you can recognize the triggers, mm-hmm. then you have more empathy and you can be a little more sensitive. And you don't take things personally. Yeah. So I think that's such a great tip for people um, to, to share with their partners. I think that's great. I also love marriage counseling before you need the marriage counseling because you can get the little sparks before they become flames. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that I'm big on that, you know, especially in this city. But in general, I feel like some people don't value marriage as much as others. Um, And sometimes people get married and it's like, well, if it doesn't work out, then we'll get a divorce. And me going into marriage is like, I'm never getting a divorce. You know, that's my mindset. That's my attitude. That's my intention. Um, And I want to give my marriage the best possibility to succeed and to win. And in doing that, I have to acknowledge that everybody thinks that everybody thinks they're never going to get divorced, you know, mm-hmm. to some degree and to not do the work and to not prepare and be proactive about your marriage as if it's something, you know, like your career, you're proactive about what you want to accomplish and your goals. Why would you not be more proactive about your marriage? Mm-hmm. And so to think that I'm above that or above anybody else's situation is ludicrous. So for me, it's like, you know, end of on as well. It's like, let's do the work before we're like, you know, putting out fires and trying to do the work. Like, let's be, let's maintenance our marriage and be very intentional as if it's something that we want to last forever. You know, the other thing you mentioned earlier, along with working on your traumas was having more time with God. And I definitely Mm -hmm. want to talk about your relationship with God and how that works, because I think we need more models of what that looks like and Mm -hmm. how you can cultivate that relationship. Um, And, you know, you, you've talked about how you met your husband and part of that was through just talking to God and, and God leading you to him. Um, I always say I have like a, a direct line. Like I'm, I'm constantly talking and constantly asking and I, I hear things and I've learned how to distinguish them, but it's kind of a hard thing to teach. And it was one thing that I really wanted to ask you today is how do you communicate with God? How have you cultivated that relationship? And how do you know it's not your inner monologue that it's God? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't grow up in like a church household. We never went to church. Um, and I started going to youth group when I was about 12 Um, just because my acting coach was like a godmother to me and she was one of the youth pastors. So I would just go. And then um, two of my kind of like friends, associates from school, um, they, because there was a lot of bullying with me being black, um, they were really kind of like protectors of me for no good reason. They didn't know me that well, but they were just protectors of me. And, um, they got into a really bad car accident and um, there was five people in the car. They were babysitting a a four-year-old as well. Um, Everybody else in the car died except for them, the two of them. Um, And uh, one of them, her name was Barbara. She ended up getting severe brain damage. Um, Her older sister uh, died in the accident with her. And um, Alicia, she um, ended up coming out physically the least unscathed, but obviously emotionally you know, in worst condition you could be in. And 
we went on a youth group retreat. She ended up getting saved. And I just was very intrigued because I was like, wouldn't you be mad at God? Like, why would that make you get saved instead of like turn away from him? And she really kind of set the example for me that started my curiosity and my own journey. And um, over the years, I kind of like went through all these phases where like, you know, when I was young, I was like super religious, like Bible stomping, like told my older sister, you know, when she lost her virginity, I cried because I didn't want her to go to hell. I was like that. And like <laughs> none of my friends told me when they lost their virginity. Um, and then from that to like, it was crazy. And I love then that none that of my friends to, like, told me. <laughs> It, it was, yeah, it was very dramatical. Um, and then, and then as I got older, it was very much like, I'm trying to do everything by the book, but it's not working out. So F it, I'm going to do what I want to do. And like, I went through all these seasons and, and once I got to a certain point, I realized that I was being so religious about my relationship with God that I didn't know that I really even had a real relationship with him. I didn't know if I was actually really hearing from him. Like I knew that he was covering me and protecting me. And that he was answering some prayers, but I didn't know if I was really hearing from him. And so my relationship with him started to shift um, in my probably early to mid 20s, where I stopped being so about literally what I'm reading, but saying, well, God, what do you say about this? What do you say to me about this specifically? You know, and just started asking for clarity and asking questions and stopped making it about just what I was taught in church or what was the church culture but really like, I need a relationship with you. That's me and you, like you said, a direct line. Mm -hmm. Whereas if somebody comes up to me and they're like, God gave me a word for you. There's been people I've told straight up and I'm like, no, he didn't. Because that's how crisp I hear from him now where I'm like, okay, that's not, that's not what God, you know what I'm saying? Other times my spirit goes, it's like, I can feel the Lord. Like, this is for you. This is a word for you, you know? And, and so my spirit is so discerning now that over time I've really fine tuned my ear to the point of where's when God told me Devon was my husband, it was like crystal clear. It was like, like, you know, how was was that process? Tell everybody how that process came to be. Um, so I met Devon on a general meeting when I was like 24 and, um, it was basically like we, one of the conversations we had was about being Christians in the industry and about using our platforms for something bigger than us. And so there was that. And then I'd see him over the next couple of years and I was like, Oh, he's cute. But you know, he was the guy, he was an, uh, a studio executive head. So I'm like, that's the guy who gives you the job. You know, I just didn't think anything more than that. And then, um, I was, uh, I got cast in jumping the broom, which was an interesting situation because they had offered it to Paula Patton. She had passed and I was coming in to test for that part. And in the 11th hour, she changed her mind and accepted it. And so I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria. My mom would say in her Greek accent, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way. 
T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. You know, we were kind of like, I was like, well, look, can I at least show you what I was going to do so that at least you keep me in the mind, you know, in mind for the future for something, you know? So I came in, I did a great job. They were like, we still want to cast you. We're going to give you the best friend role. We're going to beef it up. We're going to rewrite it, blah, blah. Wow. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that, you know? And I kind of had the attitude of like, I, I want to play the lead though, you know? And um, I prayed about it and God was kind of like, who do you think you are? Mm. And I was like, whoa. God was like, who do you think you are? I was like, okay, <laughs> so then I like called him back. I was like, I will very happily accept this role, you know? And so when to Nova Scotia show was filming, um, I was on the tail end of like a relationship that was like almost four years. Um, it was, it wasn't the best relationship. We definitely were, you know, kind of emotionally and verbally abusive to each other. And it just wasn't the best, you know, and, and he's a great person. We just weren't right for each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, towards the end of that filming, I remember like looking at Devon on set cause he was the executive making sure everything was running smoothly. Um, I was just like, you know, that's the kind of guy I wish I could marry. And the relationship that I had been in had beat down some of my self-worth to the point where I just felt God was, I felt that Devon was out of my league and that was not someone that God would give to me, you know? And so um, I remember as we were wrapping up filming, I was like at the lowest point of just, I felt like I had made so many mistakes and like, I just wasn't in a good place. And so I was just like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. And I am, am really, really struggling here and I need guidance and tell me what to do because clearly the way I'm doing things is not the way you want me to do them and it's not working for me. So God said three things. One, get out of the relationship you're in, um, which was tough because I really love the person. We were like building a house and, you know, in Florida and I found out that he was going to propose that next Valentine's Day. And even though um, things were rough. Even though things were rough, yeah. And I still very much loved him and wanted to be with him. So number one was get out of that relationship. Number two, God was like, be celibate. And I was like, wait, Lord. Now, you know, (laughs) this is the area where we all, come on, we have an understanding, you know. Um, And number three was that Devon was my husband. And so... um, How did this come to you? Like, I want people who are listening, they're like, okay, God's telling her these, what does this mean? What does God talking to you look like or sound like or feel like? Um, Well, I was on my knees and I was crying and just like basically calling out for help and pleading. And, um, And when I say I was like in a really low place, I was like in a place of like, I didn't feel like I deserved to be here. You know, I was like really just on my knees in it and I could hear God's voice like I could hear it um and I can't tell you exactly what it sound like but it was very crisp very clear very straight to my ear um and loud you know when he said that Devon was my husband the other two things if I'm not mistaken were said softer um, and more like I could feel him saying it inside of me. Mm. Um, the Devon part, I could hear it outside of me. I could just hear it loud. Um, and so, so what did you do? Uh, well, I got out of the relationship. Um, and then I revisited it for two seconds and I just immediately felt like, okay, I'm just being disobedient. Let me stop. Um, I decided to become celibate. 
I failed miserably at first uh, and then finally got it together. And I remember telling a friend of mine, I was like, hey, you know, and it was like five months after I knew. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I was like, um, God told me that Devon's my husband. And she was like, wow. She's like, girl, you know, you celibate, right? And I was like, that's crazy because so am I. And she was like, no, he's for real celibate. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, come to find out because he had been preaching, um, he had been celibate for 10 years. And it was like people who knew, knew, like, he's not the one, he's not going to do it. Like, he's like, I'm up here, I'm preaching. I can't be this person here and then be that person there. Um, and he's very disciplined. So I was like, wow, that's crazy. I also didn't know that he was a minister and that he preached, um, which really freaked me out too. Cause I was like, I don't want to be no minister's wife, you know? Um, but I was like in the same breath, I know what God told me. So five months in, I started telling friends and family that he was my husband. A few people were like, but does he know he's your husband? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, you, so you know, you sound crazy. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I know how I sound, but I also know what God told me. Um, so four months after that, at the nine month mark, uh, was the premiere for the movie. Grabbed all my girlfriends. You know, I was like, you guys are gonna meet my husband and I at the premiere. We're like following him around like teenage girls, like watching him like in the distance. I was like, that's him. Da, da, da. And then at one point he actually started walking towards us and we couldn't get down the staircase fast enough. And so he's like, hey. And I was like, hey, uh, yeah. Um, so this is my friend, um, Sterling Amy. We were just going out, you know, it was like totally embarrassing. And he ended up at the end of the night, like pulling me to the side. We ended up talking there was someone who was talking me to death every time he got pulled away to talk. And I literally grabbed the person and I shook them and I was like, listen, stop bothering me. I'm trying to talk to my husband right now. And um, that person was like, oh, and then the next thing, you know, when me and Devon were talking again, that same person put their arms around us and they were like, you guys should go on a date. And I'm like, and then Devon was like, yeah, do you want to go get tea? And I'm like, sure. And so two weeks later, he asked me out. 10 months later, we were engaged. One month later, we were married and oh we're gosh. going on the nine year mark. And I wow. still. Wow. <laughs> All because she talked to God and God told her. Because otherwise, you would have probably stayed in that other relationship. That wouldn't have been mm -hmm. good. And yeah. um, wow. A lot could have been different. I, I never even thought, like, you know, about him that way because it was like, that's the guy you get the job. Like you just don't do that, you know? And so interesting. Um, also I've always dated like a little bit of bad boys, like lots of tattoos and you know, that kind of thing. Um, and Devon was very different than what I had dated before. You know, I definitely thought he was cute, but I was like, I don't know if he could handle this personality. Like I'm a Leo, you know, through and through. I got all my childhood trauma from growing up the industry. I can be legit crazy. Um, but he has a way that is very shocking. Like my, my ex, when we would fight, he would try to, not intentionally, but it was, it almost felt like bullying. And I'm like, I might be five foot two and a half, but I will never be bullied by anybody because growing up in the business, you have to learn how to speak up for yourself or otherwise mm -hmm. people will take advantage or try to manipulate your path or, you know, so it was like, I'm just not what. So when we would fight, it would be like, you know, two universes colliding and it'd just be bad. And then with Devon, I remember the first fight we got in and it was just like he had a way about him. You know, he was like, OK. OK. Yeah, he didn't feed and the I was fire. Just like, mm. Yeah. And yeah, I just would go back and I'd be like, maybe I must. I don't know. Let me, you know. 
and it, it's just completely different. It's like everything that I need and what I didn't even know I wanted. And I just, obviously I love him, but I also like him a lot. So. That's so cool. I, I always say like one of my things growing up was always asking you shall receive. I always used to mm-hmm. say that. And I feel like I ask God for signs all the time and then I get them, but I listen to them and I trust them. And I feel like, you know, if you don't believe in God, then, you know, you can think about it, you know, in in a different term or the universe, or maybe your God is Buddha or I don't know, everybody's got their own, but there is a higher power out there and, Mm -hmm. and you can have, um, a relationship and and I think it's um I think it's really cool to hear your story and um and I, I remember I think it was an Oprah interview I was listening to you and you were talking about maybe it was that interview, I don't know, but you were talking about you didn't know if you wanted to be a mom. And at yeah. the beginning of this you said you guys were gonna start raising a family. So it sounds like you've made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> I just got there, you know, like in the last few years, I'd say, because, you know, for the moment you get married, everyone's like, we're going to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I hate that, you know, because I wasn't even sure if I wanted to have kids. And um, and I just felt like people were trying to, like, pressure me and it aggravated me. And as a Leo, anytime you pressure me, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I don't even have time to think about the fact that you might be right because I don't like that you're pressuring me. And, um, so for years, you know, and it's great because Devon's just been patient. You know, I knew that he wanted kids, um, and wants kids, but he just never pushed, you know, and it's, it's kind of amazing. And so, um, yeah, like in the last, I'd say like two years, two and a half, three years, I'm like, okay. And then I think I just got to a place where I'm like, okay, not just okay, but like, we're about there. It's about that time where I want to do that next. That's what's exciting. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. To me next in, in this kind of like short but long life full of just tons of experiences and and unique things that I've gone through that I've seen that I've done that's what I'm excited about next you know and I feel very settled like I've done everything I want to do and the other things that I want to do are things that I kind of want to do with a kid on my hip because it's just so much more badass that way and so um yeah I'm just I'm excited so you're thinking about like five right Mm -hmm. no (laughs) more like two maybe (laughs) you know we're in the same situation and I 
you know, for me, I I always looked at my parents like they were my kids because I always have been taking care of my parents. Yeah. And and so kids like kind of just weren't in my ether. And also I was like you, I didn't know if I really was meant to do it or wanted to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And so we've, you know, gone through the IVF journey and we have our embryos and now we found a okay. surrogate and we finally got there, just like you said, um, yeah. where I was like, you know, I think it would be really great. And I think I am ready for that next journey in life. And the same kind of vibe where I'm like, you know, I really want to be like sledding with my kids and I want to like take my kids and go do all the fun stuff that I didn't really get to do when I was younger. I want to get to do it with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting, but I think, and I'm glad that you say that because you know, even me saying that like in the last month, there's been like some blowback where people are like, what, you know? And it's like, it doesn't make you bad to be like, that's not what I aspired to. I did not mm-hmm. base my whole life on like, you know, becoming married one day and having kids one day. That's not everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's okay to say. And I think that there's so many women who feel that way, but they just feel like you can't say that. Like that makes you like a bad person if that's not what you aspire to. And it's not true. Yeah. It's not for everybody. And maybe it's for certain people in certain seasons, you know, later when they're like, okay, this is what's next, you know, yeah. and, and it's something that I choose to want what's next, you know, and I think it's a really important conversation to have because we don't have it enough. It's I like agree. a weird thing to say. And it's like, but why? Well, it's a different time. Like I always say my mom's generation, that was the dream for right. us. They kind of opened up a whole new path for us where it was like, oh no, go live like the dream, go, yeah. go experience all these things. And um, it's a massive responsibility, as you know. And I was like, I don't know if I can do everything. I, I am not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to be terrible, a, a terrible mom right. because I can't do it all. And I'm not mm-hmm. ready to give up the things that I want to do to do that. Right. I couldn't see a path, Megan, where I could juggle everything like the yeah. people that you know, made themselves look like superwoman. I was like, I don't think I'm superwoman. <laughs> right. And I, and I don't know, even if I could do it, that I want to, that could be like extremely yeah. stressful, you know? Yeah. And, and I think life is about quality of life every single day. And so I think it's, it's a choice that you have to make when, when, and if you were in a place where you're like, yeah, I do want to do that. I, I accept the challenge and the responsibility because I choose it. Yeah. You know, what and are it, your and, fears now though? Like, do you have fears now? I mean, my fear is I'll just jump in real fast or like raising kids in this crazy time and then COVID time and just like, are are there even going to be schools? Like there's so many uncertainties at the same time. There are so many cool positives to it. Like you got time with your husband that you never had. Anyone I know that's had a baby in COVID actually got to be with their baby. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Same. My my sister, my, my youngest nephew is one, he'll be two in July and it was the best thing in the world to get to watch him all this time. Whereas with my my other nephew, my sister's um, other son, who's five, you know, for the moment he was born at five months old, I was off in Vancouver just shooting a TV show. And I never got to see like the next, you know, six months of his life. It was just through FaceTime. And that was really disappointing to me. Um, so with, with this time, it was like, she got to be home with him. I got to be home with him. I got to be home with my mom. We got to, you know, cook and do things just within our little unit after quarantining. And it was, 
And it was perfect. Like that time to me is so invaluable. And I think that kids do experience a lot, you know, going to school. And, and if this is a time that God has allowed, then I think there's a lot to be gotten out of it that we can choose to focus on that's positive. And um, I would love that. I would love to like, okay, well, I'm not going back to work because I can't, you know, um, something's kind of nice about that. Uh, but I think, you know, the reservations I do have is just the responsibility. You know, I'm afraid of um, not wanting to, not being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, and it's, you know, it's kind of selfish, but it's honest, you know, and watching um, my sister, with, with my two nephews, you know, she is one of the people who's closest to me in the entire world. We're not even two years apart. So I see so much of myself and how I would be in her. And, you know, she balanced a lot. Her, her husband's a musician. He's constantly touring the world. You know, my husband does various things and is constantly touring the world. So I saw so much of what I could expect to some degree. And I know Mm -hmm. we're both different and our dynamic, everything, you know, but that was about as close as I was going to get to what it might be like. And, and in the beginning, I think, you know, she balanced it all, but it took a lot of everything, you know, a lot of, a lot of sacrifice. And I just wasn't sure that I was ready to sacrifice. And now I feel more sure, but I'm like, yeah, there is the fear, you know, that it's like, but in the same breath, I think that I want them more than I care about the fear. So. Yeah. If they came to you and said, mommy, I want to be in movies and TV and they were young, or if you saw something special in them when they were young, would you be okay with them going on this path? I would. Um, but I think for me, I had the potential to be one of the ones that, that could have fallen off the side of the cliff. Um, but for me, my relationship with God always brought me back and grounded me. Um, it gave me perspective that was invaluable to me just surviving in general. Um, and then my relationship with my mom, you know, she never was a stage mom. She always was an ally and a friend and a mom. Um, and those two things. And then also having people around me who didn't just feed me anything to be in my life or around me, but were always honest with me. And I think those kind of those three elements with God being the base um, was really the only thing that kept me because I definitely have a wild personality. I like to enjoy life. I fly by the seat of my pants. I make decisions in the moment. You know, if I was 22 and someone was like, let's go to Vegas right now. One person I didn't even have to know. The other person I may have only known for six months. And I'd be like, let's go to Vegas. Where are we staying? I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> someone's like, oh, let's go from Vegas to like Honolulu. I'd be like, cool. How much are the tickets? Like, you know, so, um, I think that having all those things in place can make all the difference in the world. And I wouldn't have a problem with them doing it because that's all I know. Like that's the life that I lived and I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think there are trauma and there's stuff, but I think everyone has trauma and everyone has stuff and I wouldn't do it any differently. So. I like your survival guide for parents. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful Definitely, because you said things in there that I've not heard other people say. Um, and I think, uh, I think that's really helpful. There was something that before I let you go, I have to ask you, um, you were talking to Kelsey about a moment where you had to kind of stand up for yourself, but you were scared. And I know it's really challenging in this industry to stand up for yourself. And we talked about how we kind of like 
<laughs> and the nervous yeah. giggle sometimes. And sometimes that was the, the best offense <laughs> or defense. Right. Um, but there was a moment where you omitted a joke from a comedy you were in. Um, I think it was during the audition process. And then when you went mm-hmm. to the set, they were like, Hey, what about that joke? And it, you yeah. know, tell everybody that that story. Cause I think it was a really cool way. And if, I don't know how intentional you were about mm-hmm. the whole process, but I, th- I thought it was kind of cool. Um, well, it was a really big comedy and something I only dreamed of being able to be a part of. Um, and when I got the call in the audition, um, the, the lines were hilarious and great but there was one joke about Jesus, um, that I just didn't like, and I just didn't feel right about. So, um, I didn't make it a big deal. I just simply took it out. And when I sent the audition tape, I just didn't have that line in there. Um, and they didn't notice. And then I came in and I tested and they didn't notice. And then I came in and tested with the big star of the film and had a chemistry test and they still didn't notice. Um, and then once I got, you know, to the state, we were doing it in, we started rehearsing. They didn't notice like the first couple of days and then out of the blue. And I thought maybe they just were okay that it was out. Um, the director said, Hey, um, you know, there was this one line about Jesus and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know where it went, but we just like kind of lost it somewhere. And I would love for you to put it back in. And I was like, huh. <laughs> you know, and I was like, you know, it's like you, you, you work for so long, but when you start to get into certain positions, there is a part of you that's like, you know, it's like you want to get along to get along, but in the same breath, I will never sacrifice my integrity and what I feel in my spirit is right um, to get along or to, I believe that if God wants me to advance in my career, it will be something that he has organized and he has set in place and it won't um, require me to compromise. And so I was definitely scared, uh, but I was like, I just got to say it. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, you know what? It was a joke about Jesus. And, um, I just, I'm not comfortable with it. I I don't personally don't think it's funny and I don't feel comfortable saying it It just doesn't sit right in my spirit. And he was like, oh, cool. Well, then don't say it, you know? And that was it. And I was like, that's it. He was like, yeah, I was like, cool. All right. Then, you know, and um, yeah, it was just, it was very, it was an incredible moment because I was like, if God is in it, then it will just go the way it's supposed to, you know? Mm -hmm. But I don't think I could live with doing something that didn't feel right in my spirit just because you know, I didn't want to make waves or I was just so happy to be there. It was like, yeah. it's not worth it. And so. I love that. It is hard though, because it's like, how do you, like if he pushed back and if he said, okay, well, Megan, you're acting, this is a role. It's not you. How do you right. separate you and the actress in projects like do you have to say no to things because you don't agree with them all the time sometimes um not often but it happens um and it's because I come first I come before any character I play my integrity as Megan and who I am and who I want to be in the world will come before any job I ever touch and so um if I don't feel that it's something that pleases God or I feel like I'm disrespecting him or I'm, I'm sacrificing my integrity. I just won't do it. Um, and I just trust that God brings something better my way that it fits where I believe that I'm supposed to be. But I have had to, you know, say no. I've had to change lines. I've had to have sidebar conversations with the directors. I've been in situations where, you know, it's like because I wouldn't do a certain type of nudity. I'm like, 
but you don't need that to tell this story. Like, why can't, and it's not that I wouldn't do any nudity at all, but I'm like, why can't we do this or do that? Why does it have to be this? That just feels like gratuitous. And it was like, you're either going to do it or you're not. And I'm like, I guess I won't be doing it Mm -hmm. because I have to live with that being on screen. And every time I see it or think about it, know that I did it just because I wanted to be in that movie so bad. It's not worth it, you know? Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I feel like, you know, unless someone's in that position, you don't realize that it is still you. (laughs) Right. And it's hard. And, And it just made me start thinking about like, how rare it must be for a guy to be in that position where it was really like everybody was, you know, pushing those lines for women. Like, I don't think we, how often could we say we've seen nude men on camera? Besides The Bachelor, never. It's The Bachelor? (laughs) Yeah. You see The Bachelor nude? Oh my gosh, don't you remember this last season? Megan, I don't know if you're a fan, but the, okay, not I fully am. nude, but we talked about it a lot on the show. How, really? I don't remember. Oh my gosh, yes, they were like having them do all the like stripping down for the dodgeball oh, fight. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, well, no, because things are starting to even out a little uh-huh. bit. I mean, right. but you know, 10 years ago no, or eight years ago or whatever, it was like, <laughs> no, it's like, no, you're the girl. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And, and it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. Um, you know, we're growing, we're getting better. That's we're getting better on on all fronts. I think we're making really good progress. And like I said, it's nice to be in a workplace where you don't have to worry about anything. It's just not gonna happen. And if it does happen, that person's gonna be fired. I know. You know. So. What a difference. Well, Megan, I could talk to you forever. I have like 18 million things I didn't get to. Um, so can I ask a question real quick, Maria? Yeah, jump in. Um, Megan, I, I was curious cause like talking about family and talking about when you decide to start one, especially like right now, you're, you mentioned your career is such a, is a slow burn, but it feel like you're just in so many major franchises. Like you're in Shazam, you're in all these great things. Like, how do you plan for that? Especially during COVID when you don't even know, like last week it was reported that Shazam two would tape in May, but you don't yeah. even know. So, like, how do you plan ahead for that? And would you ever, like, have to make a decision between a huge franchise like that and having kids? Yeah, I, um, we were talking about having kids last year. And a lot of the conversation was, well, you know, when is Shazam 2 going? And I've got to be in the best shape of my life for that. And then when are we going to finish the show? And then there was a lot of that talk. And what I ultimately decided was, like, okay, I am ready, but I don't know that I'm ready, like, this month. So let me just wait a beat and just wait and, and really figure out how I feel and allow that to be the thing that leads me. And then at that time, when I get to that place, then I will make an executive decision for whatever other choices I need to make in my career. But um, ultimately, I've, by the grace of God, I've had a pretty great career where I'm very happy with it. And there are obviously lots of things I want to do, but a family is is at the top of that list. And so... Um, I'm just trusting God that it's going to fall into place. Right now, we're supposed to shoot Shazam in May. Um, you know, I'm hoping that right after that, we can get to it. Um, and we'll just see, you know, kind of how it all um, comes together. But at this junction, I'll be um, 40 in August. And I kind of knew I was like, about 40 is feeling right. And then now that I'm here creeping up on it, I'm like, yeah, about 40 is feeling right. So the, the priority will be the family. And then um, everything else will fall into place, God willing. And if not, something else will fall into place when it's supposed to. So cool. 
Well, guys, um, we um, we didn't get to talk about the weight, which I love. I, and I really wanted to talk about working together with your husband because we obviously have been working together forever. So we're just going to have to have you come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe it's for the Amazon series and it's out. But um, your new movie on Lifetime is called Death Saved My Life. It's a thriller. It premieres. Saturday, February 13th at 8 p.m. 7 Central. Um, and I didn't get to quote the entire movie of Friday, so that could be a third episode. <laughs> I love it. Because I, I can literally yeah. quote that movie inside out, backwards, forwards. It's my favorite. Oh my <laughs> That's so good. I have such great stories from that. Oh, I do. It's like my first speaking role in a movie, and there was just so many little jewels of what was going on behind the scenes that would like surprise you I mean, you know Cube and tucker like i mean I, I don't know you've worked with amazing people they're that's me that's them i like that would be like the pinnacle i feel like and you just started <laughs> there okay you need to give me one story then because i can't leave without hearing a story now um one story um uh, well, first of all, I was on set for two weeks before I actually worked. It was F. Gary Gray's first movie. He was 25. There was a lot of pressure, a lot going on. Um, and so they didn't know when they were going to use me. So I would just come to work every day and kind of sit in my trailer, or hang out on set. And uh, I remember that Tiny Lester, um, um, rest in peace, he um, would always kind of go and get a sandwich. So it became a thing where I started making him a sandwich and um, a lot of people don't know that Michael Clark Duncan, um, rest in peace, was Tiny um, Lester's stand-in uh, before he did the Green Mile, before all of that. And so I remember I made Tiny a sandwich and Michael said, well, where's my sandwich? And I was like, I didn't know you wanted one. And he was like, it's OK. So he said, make me one next time. He said, but I want you to remember this. No matter where you go in your career, make sure you treat everybody exactly the same. Not just because you never know, but because that's the right thing to do. Wow. And I was like, right, got it. So after that, I made them both sandwiches every day. And mm-hmm. then obviously, Michael Clark became my clerk. Um, and we worked together again on Debs, and he remembered the story. I was like 22 at that point. Um, but yeah, a lot of little jewels like that behind I the love scene. the pearls of wisdom on Friday, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Michael Clark Duncan, I remember he came to one of my birthday parties. I used to throw these like bashes and I just loved him. He had the biggest heart in the world. And like, it just crushed mm-hmm. me when we lost him. Um, but, oh my God, you worked with Debo. Ah! Everybody, yeah. that movie was so, we, um, I remember we were watching in college and we had a leak in our our um in our dorm room so we slept in the hallway and my roommate had it on that was the only like vhs that we had and she would rewind it we would play it all day all night all day all night so yeah i know it inside out um and it was so funny it was so good i I recently had a screening event at my house so that we could rewatch it and relive (laughs) oh my goodness yeah it's too fun so crazy so crazy. Yeah. It's a Such great, a it's a great memory to have your first speaking role in is in like this classic Friday. Yeah. So who knew? Do you keep in touch <laughs> with anybody? Um, I worked with, uh, the lady Angela means who played Felicia mm-hmm. for a number of years on a Nickelodeon show. Um, a few years later, um, 
I still, I haven't talked to her in a while, but Paula J. Parker and I, um, Nia Long's always been incredibly supportive. Um, me and Chris Tucker are still pretty close. Um, mm, I'm trying to think of who else. DJ Pooh and I did a movie together uh, some years later. I know I'm forgetting some stuff. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, a lot of those relationships persisted to some degree. Um, but I would say out of everyone, probably me and Chris are the closest. So cool. So cool. Well, we obviously have more to talk about next time you come. Um, make sure you guys check out her Lifetime movie, Death Saved My Life, this February 13th at 8 p.m. 7 Central. We will put all of that in the description um, in this episode. And you can follow her on Instagram at Megan Good uh, as well. Megan, thank you so much. Yay. She's so beautiful. Stunning. Gorgeous. Like stunning. Gorgeous. Um, anyhow, um, I'm so glad that we talked about Friday at the end. <laughs> that was so <laughs> When she talked about Felicia, be like, when she comes over and she's like, um, who you go to the show with last night? Yes, you did, because my sister-in-law, baby cousin Tracy, said she saw you there all hooked up with some friend. Now tell me who she was. And he, the cube goes, yeah. your sister-in-law, baby cousin Tracy. She's a goddamn liar. And then, <laughs> and then, I mean, I could do the whole movie. I fucking love it. Sorry. Dead. <laughs> it's the best. Come on. Watch Her it. first speaking it. role is with Chris Tucker and Ice Cube in Friday. Like, there could be no, like, bigger. I mean, that movie will just always be huge we gotta watch it i've never Steven, seen it were you with me did you come to the screening i had at the house for that uh no i didn't i wasn't there that time. i think i was already back in north carolina no it was with some of the AfterBuzz team i think it was like our staff you probably just didn't want to show up anyway um <laughs> <laughs> he's like i don't have to be with maria tonight perfect <laughs> um anyhow um lots of uh lots of lots of good nuggets good stuff in there She's yeah, really cool. I really do think you should do like a special episode. Just talk about Friday. Right? Oh my God. I Seriously. Like, I think it'd be great. A one-off. Yeah. You should do a Friday reunion. Yes. Better together movies. Guys, I would die. Better together movie club. Hell yeah. Better together. It's me, Kelsey. <laughs> I need to talk to her more about Anchorman too. Better, oh. Better together movie Ooh. club. I wonder if she was talking about Anchorman I, too. I think she, I think so. Because, um, I think, did Todd Phillips direct that? Let's look. I don't know. I don't know but who I directed think it, but that's what it I sounds like something too. like like Todd was so cool from everything I ever interacted with him. I just you. love when a director's like, Do you really think that one word is, is gonna be like, that important? Right. Yeah, if it's important if it's so important that's what I say about a lot of stuff. That's mm-hmm. like if this is like something is within reason, but if something is super, super offensive to somebody, I'm fine. But yeah. but but taking away isn't so offensive to the other. Just do it. Like, big deal. Yeah. They took out that word. Do we We think those are the funniest movies ever made? Oh. Do you think we needed the one joke in there? No. Nope. You know? No. So. Nope. Anyhow, thank you guys for joining us. Um, Winnie would like to thank you as well. She's yeah. about to bark at you guys. <laughs> um, love you guys. Have a great day. You can follow us at Better Together with Maria, at Megan Good, at Kelsmeyer2, at Stephen Lemieux Photo. And remember, <clears throat> clear your throats. Be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Hey, Heel Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show 
or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heel Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heel events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heel Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.